Hey, Christ community, how you doing? Oh, hey, it's the weekend, we made it. How you guys doing? Everybody all right? Yeah, still, you're still not all right, but it's okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna do better than that uh, for this next little bit here. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden, I'm one of the pastors here. For those of you online, those of you who are in the room, we're really glad to be together uh, this weekend, so thanks for coming and being part of this. I'm really excited for this family series that we're, that we're doing. Um, we're leaning into healthy relationships in a, in a chaotic world. And so, was, you know, I'd like you to know at the kickoff of this whole deal, um, there is hope. There's hope for each one of us to have healthy relationships no matter what's going on in the world around us. And so this series is really, it's, it's about hope for people like you and me. So just to jump in, um, Pew Research Center recently released their study from 2023 on the family. It came out in uh, January of this year. And um, this, you can Google that, uh, if you Google that link there, that's not a link, if you Google that title there, that will take you to that study. And uh, you can look at it for yourself. But there are a few things I wanted to highlight for us that just kinda, as I read through it, it really shaped this series and kinda as a starting point for our conversation together. So, so a couple things we jump into this. The first thing, and this, this might have been my favorite one, 88% of parents say it's harder than they expected. Which I laugh, because our kids are grown. So um, we're watching our kids raise grandkids, and it's, it's harder than they expected. I saw a tweet by a parent that said, parenting was much easier when I was raising my non-existent child, hypothetically. And it's like, that is so true. And for those of you who are parenting right now, there's a lot of critics out there who are raising non-existent children hypothetically. And so um, we're, we're just in it together. Um, Ed Asner, I don't know if you know, recognize that name. Ed Asner was born in 1929. Um, he, he played the real Santa on Elf, not the beef and cheese one, but the, the real Santa on Elf. So 1929, so he was an old guy and he made this statement. He said, raising kids is part joy and part guerrilla warfare. So, so if you're raising kids and you're finding it harder than you expected it to be, like you are not alone and we are so for you and we are with you in this. And so you just gotta know, like you're not the first parent who's found this to be more difficult than what they expected. I thought it was also interesting that 80% of parents say it is rewarding and enjoyable all or most of the time. And I don't know, because if you just said it's way harder, even though this is some stranger you're talking to that you've never seen before and you're never gonna see again, you have to say something good, right? I mean, like it's all the time, it's rewarding and enjoyable. So there's, there's 88% who say it's harder, 80% say it's rewarding and enjoyable for most of the time. From that same study, there were two top concerns that parents have and see if this resonates with you, whether you're currently parenting or like us, you're kind of launched in different seasons. So the first one, 40% of parents said that they're extremely concerned about their kids' mental health struggling with anxiety and depression. That's, that's a, right, like that's a legit concern in, in any generation, but particularly in the generation today. And like we just affirm that concern, 35%, this was the second, so these are the top two concerns. 35% said they're extremely concerned about their child being bullied. And again, these are 
these are real things that are going on in our world today and they cause angst for, for moms and dads. And if you're a parent, these are really hard things to have on your shoulders and to, to have these concerns for your kids and to be watching out for them in this regard. And, and a lot of what we're gonna talk about, I think, is gonna be helpful for you in that. Because again, we're, we're trying to move towards um, healthy relationships and how we live together as families in, in healthy ways. And so, really hopeful for us on that. If we go to the little lighter side of the study, parents have two aspirations for their kids that were you know, the top two substantially farther. So the first, 88% of parents say it's extremely important to them that their kids are financially independent. So I don't know if that means like financially independent, like they're gonna retire someday, or if that just means financially independent from me, right? That just, I kinda, I kinda lean towards the second one that just means like they're gonna be able to stand financially on their own two feet, and then 88%, same percentage, also said it's extremely important to them that their kids have a job or a career that they enjoy. Interestingly, you drop down to only 41% said it was extremely important to them that their kids have a college degree, but 88% of parents think it's really important for their kids to be financially independent and also extremely important that their kids have a job or a career that they enjoy. And so we sit in this room as grownups and probably most of us, when we think about our kids, shake our head yes over that. And so I just, I wanna say this real quick just to kind of wave a yellow flag for those of us who are parenting right now. One of the things that can happen when you're a parent is your hopes and aspirations for your kids can become a burden for your children to bear. Unwittingly, unknowingly, unintentionally, we, we push them towards the things that we're hopeful for them and our aspirations for them become burdens that are too much for them to bear, which goes back to that 40% of parents are really concerned about their kids' mental health and depression and anxiety. And there's a big difference between seeing something in your kid and, and encouraging them into that and putting too much pressure on them that they're unable to bear. And so I just think there's this calls for wisdom and parenting and just kind of raising a little flag there for us as we think about these things, these aspirations that we have for our kiddos. Next set of statistics, so 35% of all parents surveyed say it's important to them that their kids grow up to share their religious beliefs. So when, like when your child is grown up, that they would, they would share your current beliefs. 35% of all parents said that was important. I mean, interestingly, 55% of evangelical Protestants, which is where our church would land, 55% of evangelical Protestants said it's important to them that their kids grow up to share their religious beliefs. That one surprised me. I, I expected that number to be higher, frankly. But it isn't, it's, it's where we are. And so, so this is really the starting point for this, for this series that we're in about, about having healthy homes, healthy relationships in our homes, moms and dads and with our kids. And, and this is for all of us. It's for all of us, because we all, we all need help in those most important relationships. And so this, this series is about how we could take some next steps into healthy relationships, that closest circle around us. So today, this weekend, we're gonna jump into this series, and I wanna talk with you about, um, about five, five priorities from the Bible's perspective. Um, five priorities 
for, for parents who, who wanna have happy, healthy relationships with your kids. And so these aren't, um, these aren't like, these aren't a guarantee. These aren't, if you do these five things, you for sure, like your home's gonna be happy and healthy, all that kind of stuff. It's not, it's not that. But if, if you're gonna have that, these five things need to be a priority in your life. These are, these are five things that people with healthy relationships with their kids do. And so we're just gonna jump into it. I'm gonna show you a couple Bible verses and then I'm gonna wrap all this up with, um, with some questions for you to, to take away from this time together so you can process it and, and see where you are and what your next, next steps might, might need to be. So first thing, first priority is to, um, if you're gonna have healthy relationships in your family with your kids, first priority is, is for you as a grown-up to nurture your own relationship with God. I don't know if that surprises you, if that catches you off guard, or if you're like, of course, you know, right? I don't know where you, where you fall in that. Seems like maybe we should be talking about the relationships with our kids or with our spouse or with you know, the other people who are helping us parent. Like it, it might need to have that conversation. The, the starting point for all this, the starting point for, for you to have a healthy relationship with other people is to be in healthy relationship with God, for you to, to nurture your relationship with him. In the Gospel of John, I love, this, I love this statement about Jesus. So John, the apostle, is writing about Jesus after spending years with him and then a lifetime reflecting on his relationship with him. Says about Jesus, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And I, I love those words, life and light. That's, that's what I want. You know, in my own life, I want life and light, like God's kind of life and God's kind of light. And if you've got darkness, and we all have darkness in our lives, if you've got darkness in your life, like Jesus is, Jesus is the light. He's, he's the light you're looking for. He's the light that shines into darkness that the darkness does not overcome. He's the light that shines and when his light shines in our life, we have light. And so we get to experience this life and this light through Jesus. He died on a cross to pay for our sins. Like we get to have forgiveness in him and life that flows from that. He rose again from the dead so that we could have eternal life. We get to have this life that lasts, not just lasts forever, but also is, is eternal in its nature. Jesus called it abundant life that we get to experience life to the fullest extent. He gives that to people who are willing to receive it. People are saying yes to him and that forgiveness and that life that he offers. And that's the starting place. Like that's the starting place for, for God's kind of healthy relationships in, in your home and in your closest circles is the life and the light of Jesus. And so we begin with nurturing our own relationship with God, and that's super important. If you go back in the Bible, so the Gospel of John, is like if the Bible's this long, the Gospel of John's kind of here. If you go back over here to the beginning, Deuteronomy, it's the fifth book of the Bible. So you start in Genesis and you page forward a little bit to the fifth book of the Bible. Deuteronomy is, is God speaking to his ancient people, the nation of Israel. And he is, he is talking to them about how they are in relationship with him. And he's talking with them about nurturing that relationship that they have with him. And it's just interesting to me that eight different times in that book of Deuteronomy, God says to his people, he, he talks about nurturing the relationship, some aspect of nurturing that relationship with them, and he says, so that it will go well with you, right? So that it could go, so, so it'll be good, with, so that your, your life, 
You have life and light. I mean, just over and over again, he tells his people so that it may go well with you. And, and there's so much good that God has for people who will nurture their relationship with him first and above the other relationships. We've established that as a priority. There's so much good that he pours into our lives. And the awesome thing, we're in a family series, so the awesome thing is when God pours his kind of good into your life, it's for you, but it's not just for you. It flows out of your life into the lives of the people who are around you. And so those who are in your home get to experience God's goodness through you as you nurture your relationship with him. So, so again, nurturing our relationship with God is a, is a high priority, it's a first priority. For us, And then a little in Deuteronomy chapter six, verses five through seven, I really think these are the first parenting verses in the Bible. Might be wrong, I can't remember anything earlier than this. These are, these are the first ones that, that really kind of jump out. And, and God is telling his people about, hey, I want you to pass on what I'm giving to you. Right, this, this relationship that, that I'm entering into with you, I want your kids to experience that as well. And so, you know, the 55% of us who are shaking our head yes and saying, yeah, we want this, I think this is a challenge to the 45% of us who, who maybe don't care as much about it, just, you know, whatever, whatever they choose or wherever they go, we'd be fine with that. I think God looks at people, his people, and says, hey, the this, this stuff, like, this is really important. It's really important that eternity hangs in balance. Eternity forever and eternal kind of life, life and light hang in the balance, right, for our kids. And so, so when God's looking at that, he, he says to, to moms and dads, he starts with moms and dads, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I'm giving you today are to be on your hearts. And he starts there. And then he says, impress them on your children. And, and so, so you, you can't impress on your kids something that is not impressed on you, right? Something that is, that is not part of the fabric of who you are. You cannot, you cannot install it into the fabric of who they are. You can't hand down a faith that you don't have. And I think this is really important for us as moms and dads who want to pass on our faith to our kids who would say that's an important thing for me, that my kids are people of faith and that they share our faith and that they grow up to share our faith, what they're looking for, okay? Here's, here's what your kids are looking for. They're looking to you to see if it's for real. And so they're, they're looking to you to see if this is for real, if this is something mom and dad, mom or dad, if, is this something they believe or is this something they do, right? Is this, is this a place we go every once in a while if we don't have something better? going on or is this something we're committed to and, and they're watching you looking for the answer to that question and they're also watching to see does this make a difference in their life? Because you, know, you know I grew up in church, right? And so I, I grew up around kids who grew up in church and we all watch the same things. We watch the parents, we watch the grownups, we watch is this for real? Or it's just something they make us do? Because you go through a season in your life where this is something somebody's making you do. Is this something they're making us do? Or is this real for them? And, and is it changing their life? Is it changing their life? So parents, your kids live with you. So like for dads, you know, are you, 
Do they see the peace of God and the gentleness of God and the patience of God growing in your life? None of us have that nailed down, right? But are you, are you the same angry dad that you were three years ago? Or are they seeing progress in your life? And, and if this is something that is on your heart, like if, if your faith is for real, life and light of Jesus is in you, and you're taking it seriously, and, and it's changing you, they see a difference. They see you living this out Monday through Friday, church on the weekends, and you're different because of, because of who Jesus is in your life, you can impress it on their hearts too. You can impress it on their hearts too. And so we have this, this statement, like you and I as parents, as the grown-ups in kids' lives, for us, huge priority. Huge priority is to nurture our relationship with God. We get to experience life and light, and then we get to pass that on to them. So that's priority number one. Priority number two is to build healthy parent-child relationships. To build healthy parent-child relationships. So if you're if you got littles and you're taking notes right now, could I just, like, this is what you write down about this one. Don't be afraid to be the parent, right? Don't be afraid to be their parent. Uh, look, at, look at these verses that are from the Bible that are instructions to parents and to kids. I mean, like, you can kind of catch some of that. In Proverbs, the wise man speaking to his son and teaching him how to grow up, to be a leader in their community. And just at the beginning of Proverbs, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. The mom and the dad are taking responsibility to, to instruct, to lead, to help their kids move forward in their life. And then in Ephesians chapter six, the, one of these household codes that's in the Bible that talks to the different people who are part of a household, to kids, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, like that's in the 10 commandments. So he's pointing all the way back to the 10 commandments, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And the promise is so that it may go well with you. Right, so that's, that's the promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And so when the Bible talks about parenting, it uses some words. Words like nurturing, caring, supporting, encouraging. And those are the words we're comfortable with. And it also uses some words like teaching, disciplining, shaping, training. Those words too. So maybe it's helpful, and it helps me, so maybe it's helpful for you to think about it like this. So, so as moms and dads, we have one hat that we wear, and that hat says parent. And so you, you are a parent. And then we have a lot of shirts that we wear. You know, so the shirt, like say, coach on the front, or chauffeur, or you know, confidant. Like you, you, you think through all the, cook, like you think through all the things that you bank, you think of all the things that you are to your kids, right? I mean, you're, you're so many different things for your kids. And, and what happens is we take off our hat and put on a different shirt, right? When it's time to change some of those roles. And if you forget or you choose not to put the parent hat back on, now you're in this relationship with your child where you are a nurturer, a caregiver, a servant, you are help to them, and, and you're doing the first part, 
But without the parent hat, we're not, we're not bringing all of who God intended us to be into our kids' lives. And your kid, they need parents. They need parents. They need help growing up. They need, they need somebody to shape them and to teach them and to train them. The Bible, you, like, you just take some of those Bible words. They need that from us. And I'm not the crotchety old guy standing up here talking about how people who are doing it today need to do it the same way Marie and I did it 25 years ago when it was our kids, but they need that from you and how that expresses itself in your life and in our world and in today's climate. Like, you have to figure that out and lean into that and don't be afraid, don't be afraid to be all that the Bible gives you as a mom or dad to be. Those, those words, again, Nurturing, caring, supporting, encouraging, and teaching, disciplining, shaping, training. Moms and dads, your kids need all of that from you. Not just a chunk of it, not just a little piece of it, not the part that you're comfortable with or that comes naturally to you. They need all of that from you. And so don't be afraid to be their parent. Build a healthy parent-child relationship. You can be their friend, but you can't be their best friend. And I don't mind, like I don't, I'm not on social media, so I don't see it that much, but if you wanna call yourselves best friends, that's awesome, that's fine, but you can't be their best friend. Like for real, you can't be, you're their parents, you get to be their parents, so build a healthy parent-child relationship with them, that's second priority. Third priority, establish and maintain open lines of communication. You have like, you have to be able to communicate with them, and you're the grown-up, we're the grown-ups, and so establishing and maintaining those open lines of communication it's on us, and so we get to do that. And as they grow up, they get to make some choices in that, but, but we, get to, we get to start that. And so there are a couple Bible verses that I think are really practical and helpful and important. So in James chapter one, verse 19, this is just a relational principle, but it, it, it applies at home in our parent-child relationships. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I still struggle with this as a dad. Like this is, this is one quick to listen and slow to speak. I get those backwards. Quick to speak, slow to listen, right? And I'm, I, I know I'm not alone in that, but I've, my oldest is 32, so I've spent 32 years fighting over this one, right? Being, being quick to speak and slow to listen. And, and if, if we're gonna have healthy, open lines of communication, we gotta get this right. We gotta be quick to listen and slow to speak. And when they mess up, slow to become angry. If you read this a little farther, it says slow to become angry because the anger of parents does not accomplish the righteousness of God in our kids' lives. And so, so developing the ability to, to listen to our kids, that means, I think that means ask questions of them. If you're gonna listen to them, not talk at them, you're gonna talk with them. If you're gonna listen, questions, ask them questions and, and ask them some more questions and tell me about that and what do you think about this and, and questions and questions and so many questions and let them process with you the things that they're experiencing and the stuff that they're trying to figure out and, and the stuff that maybe you've already learned the answers to and you want real bad to tell them the answer to their question, but you, they don't hear it when you just say it to them. They'll discover it as we talk with them about it. And so being quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. And then 
I love this verse too, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse seven. So we read the first part of a few minutes ago when we're talking about the things that God has said to us. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. This is just the everyday of life, right? Talk, talk about these things, which is conversational in nature. It's not one direction of, let me just tell you, it's talk about these things. Hey, what do you see? What do you experience? Who, who are you finding God to be? We saw this, did you see, what do you think about that? And again, questions, ask them questions. So many questions. And if you're wondering like, okay, so I'm not good at asking questions. I'm not great at asking questions. Can I tell you a great place to get questions? AI. We have this, we have this beautiful new tool in our world. And, and like all tools, it could be used for, for good and for evil, but a good way to use it is you could ask AI to help you write some questions for having spiritual conversations with your kids. Like you, you, sh- you dial that in and pay attention as you're asking the question. You'll have great questions to process through with your kids. And so establishing and maintaining open lines of communication, talking, way less talking at them and way more talking with them. And keep those lines of communication open. Fourth principle, fourth priority, to create and keep margin in your schedule. To create and keep margin in your schedule. I'm chuckling because this feels nearly impossible in today's world, to have margin in your life, right? When you think of all the things you have to do and all the things you wanna do, and then for those of you with kids in your home, all the things that they have to do and all the things that they wanna do, and you are, like, you are a hamster in a wheel, right? It's, it's worse than a treadmill. Like you're just, you are caught in a, it's a bigger cage. You're in a wheel in a bigger cage, right? That's how it feels sometimes. And, and so when I say create margin and keep it there, like you, I think this is something you have to fight for. This isn't something that's just gonna happen. This is something you have to fight for. And, and be aware of this. The verses I've given you in Genesis chapter two, God spends six days creating the earth and on the seventh day, God rested and on this, he blessed that seventh day and declared it to be holy. And, and he, he created the world with rhythm. So if you read Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two, the account of God's creation of the world, he created the world with rhythm. Evening and morning, the first day, evening and morning, the second day. Rest, and then work, rest, and then work. Stop, and then go, stop, and then go. And six days, go, go. And on the seventh day, stop. And, and it's, it's holy. And it is for sacred things. When you, when you read through God's gift, of this rest, this Sabbath rest, the people. It's, it's for our good and it's for our relationships and it's for our relationship with him and it's stuff that does not happen in the go, 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 go of everyday life. And so, so we, get to, we get to fight for margin, white space, downtime, daily and weekly, evening and morning. God created our world There's to be a stop before the next go. Stop. And the world that we live in, it doesn't stop. It just doesn't stop. The world that that you and I participate in, it doesn't stop to to fully participate in it and for us to 
experience what we want to experience and our kids to have all the experiences we want to give them so that they're the 88% who have the financial freedom. And We get to stop. We get to stop and it's a faith decision. Like this is a faith decision building margin into your, into your life and in rhythm of rest, stop and go. It's a faith decision, it's trusting God that he's, he's gonna fill in the gaps of the stuff you feel like you are missing. He'll, he'll do that for us. And, and then I think it's really important to hear Jesus on this. So in the Gospel of Mark, Mark's recording for us things that Peter remembers. The Sabbath was made for man, for people, not people for the Sabbath. So this isn't like a law where somebody looks at you and just from the outside just shuts it all down. This is a gift. This rest is not something that you serve, it is something that serves you. And so, so you, get to, you get to lean into it and figure it out. Stop and go, stop then go, stop then go. Stop, rest, learn to be alone, learn to have downtime, learn to live without the adrenaline rush of here we go. It, it takes from us, it's, it's not a law that's imposed on you that, that you have to serve that, it's a gift to you so that you could be healthy and so that your kids could be healthy and so that you have time in your relationships, you get to be together, this is a gift that God has given to us and for us to, to seize it and to create, to fight for margin in our lives so that we can, we can have the kind of rest and the kind of pace that he wants to give to us. So create and keep margin in your schedules, the fourth one. And then there's this fifth one. This one's really important. Because these first four have been all about you and yours. And so it's, it's about you and it's about your relationship with your people. And if we stopped at those four, then the priorities in our lives would be just about me and mine, right? Just, just about you and yours and making sure that we've got what we need in our, and if, if that's the way you choose your life, choose to live your life, then then you're gonna live a way smaller life than what God has intended for you. So, and, and if your kids, like if that's, if that's the way it goes forward for your kids, if, if, if the life, direction of life that you set them on is a life that's all about you and about you having what you want and need and you being set on so you can be like, hey, I'm one of the 88%, so we need you to go be financially, if you set them on course that direction they're gonna live a way smaller life than what God intends them to live. And so this, this fifth principle, our time together today is really important. It's to, to serve other people together. It's to serve other people together. And this is, this is all through the Bible. I mean, this is what God has for his people. He does not have for us to live inwardly focused lives. He doesn't have for us to be inwardly focused families or an inwardly focused church. He has for us to be outwardly focused people. Who, who receive his goodness in our lives, it's for us, but it's not just for us, it's for the people who are around us. And so we get to, we get to have an outward focus in the way we live, and so in our families, then we get to serve other people. I love a couple of just verses that I've grabbed for us in Galatians chapter five, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, 
You're free, you've been set free by Jesus. And you're experiencing that freedom in your life. You're a believer in Jesus, you're called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge your flesh for you. Don't use your freedom for you and for yours. Instead, serve one another humbly in love. We have this beautiful opportunity to, to serve other people. So I don't know if it's still like a thing in the culture, but it's still a thing, random acts of kindness. I'm all for them. Like I'm, I am so for random acts of kindness, but if that's all you practice, can I just tell you, like if you, if you stop and you look back, it'll be way more random than you think it is. It'll be way less frequent than, than you thought it was, and it will not have near the impact on the people that you are influencing like you hope. So I'm all for random acts of kindness, but better and healthier are intentional acts of kindness. Right? To, to on purpose serve someone else, to set this up into the rhythm of your life, to make this part of not just who you are, but part of who your family is. We're people who serve others. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you've received, whatever God's given you, right? Whatever he's given you, you should use that to serve other people as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. He is he has gifted you so that you could serve other people to live an outwardly focused life, to be an outwardly focused family and part of an outwardly focused church. It's a beautiful opportunity that God has given to us. And so to serve at church, like get on a team and be on a schedule so that you serve at church and, and serve with your kids. Serve in our community. Serve with one of our community ministry partners. We have families in our church who serve together with our ministry partners, if you're, if you're a Christian family, if you're people who say we are Jesus people, like serve in Jesus' name. Serve, serve people in such a way that they know that this is, this is the grace of God that has been ministered to you and now you're getting to minister it to them. Like be people who serve, live, live outwardly focused lives because again, otherwise, just because just the way it goes, if we just kind of drift into these things, our kids gonna grow up in homes that are all about our kids about them becoming financially independent, having jobs that they love, and getting the education that we want them to have, and, and all those good things. If we're not intentional about, about they're gonna live these smaller lives that are just about me and mine instead of what God has given me flowing through me into the lives of other people. So this fifth priority is serve other people, to do it on purpose, to put it on a schedule, to make it part of your life, serve other people. So those, those are five priorities. So let me wrap all this up. I got some questions for you to, to process with, with people today or shortly before this has a time to kind of drift off into the background for you. So the first question, maybe this is just for reflection more than discussion. How healthy are you right now? This, this series is about being healthy, right? So how healthy are you right now? How healthy is your relationship with God? How, how healthy are you right now? And why do you say that? What's going on in your life to cause you to answer that question that way? And then, and then maybe this next question's important is who do you need to share that with? Don't hold it to yourself, especially if the answer's not very healthy. If you're struggling right now, don't hold that in. There's, there's somebody in your life that is there that God has given to you to share this information with and so they can help you. They can help you take some next steps forward. How healthy is your family? 
when you think about the people who are in your most immediate circle, how healthy is that family? And, and what leads you to that answer? What are, you, what are you seeing in your life and their lives and your life together that, that leads you to give that answer? So, so how healthy is your family? So you think through these priorities, which of the five are you strongest in? I think this is a great question. Where are you winning? Right? Where are you winning? Because it's really easy to look at where you're not. And, and you've gotta see the good spots where God's doing his work in your life and you're saying yes to that and it's flowing through you into the lives of the people. Like, so where in a family, where are you winning? Right? And as you think about that, then which of these five is, would you say is your weakest? And just maybe process that a little bit and then, and then which one do you wanna take more seriously? Because it may be the strongest one. You may decide, hey, we've got a strength here, let's build on it. And it may be the weakest one because, hey, we're struggling here and we gotta get better. Or maybe one in the middle that's just like, you know what, I think we have some opportunity here, so let's, like, let's lean into that one. But as, as we talk through these things and as you have the conversations and reflection time, which one of these do you wanna take a little more seriously? And then take that a step further and, and think through just like, what are three? Random number, you could put two or four, it's okay. <laughs> what are three next steps that you could take as a family to, to put this into practice so that you could take some next steps and so that this week you could begin moving towards the health that God wants you to have, the goodness that he wants to pour into your life as you say yes to his priorities, that life and light kind of thing. And so I hope, you'll, I hope you have these conversations and reflection time, I believe if you do, it'll be, it'll be really good, encouraging, helpful for you as you go from here. So could I finish my time with you and could I, could I pray for us as, just as families in a church family? Would you guys please bow your head and close your eyes with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you. Thank you that you desire health in the innermost parts of our lives and of our families, for our church, and that you would let us experience your goodness and that it's not just ours to hold, but it's ours to share. And so I'm praying for myself, I'm praying for my friends who are part of this worship service, praying for the families that are represented here that, that we would receive your priorities for our lives. That you give us the faith we need, that you give us the courage to lean into these things, that you give us the wisdom and the insight we need for the next steps in our lives. And Jesus, all of this goodness comes to us through you, life and light. We're saying yes to that. And so we pray these things in your name, amen.